Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey everyone, wanted to hop on real quick before today's episode and let you all know that tomorrow, yes, tomorrow, June 7th, is the start of our seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge. It is not too late. You still have time if you are looking to level up your fasting results and not go at it alone. We are here. We're going to have an incredible pre-summer seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge. Click the link in the show notes for more information and to get registered. We have a few spots left. We're going to come alongside of you for the next week and show you how to get back on track, push through plateaus, and really get off the dieting roller coaster once and for all and create that sustainable fasting routine. If you're looking for help, we are in it to win it. We're going to have some fun along the way as well. Head to the show notes, click the link. It's not too late, and we'll see you on the inside. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, I'm good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for the conversation that we are going to have today. We're going to call it the hunger haberdashery. And if you don't know what that word is, then you need to look it up because it's a store (laughs) that has, you know, lots of different things, men's clothing, Mm. sewing like little thrifty store type stuff. So yeah. hunger, we're going to take a different approach today. And yes, this is a fasting podcast, but fasting is a two-part equation. You delay the gratification of food, and then you need to eat food, and you need mm-hmm. to make good decisions around food and put in yeah. proper nutrition, etc. So today's conversation is going to start off with the focus point of ghrelin and it being elevated during sleep restriction we just did an episode mm. a few episodes back on sleep, but we're going to take this conversation and some of the things that come out of this study from the sleep restriction and apply them to the fasting lifestyle. One of our fundamental pillars of fasting for life is around how to manage hunger. It's it's part of the yeah. equation. So before we dive into all of that, I want to welcome everybody into today's episode. We want to make sure that you leave with some actionable things that you can do to put into your day-to-day fasting lifestyle. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thanks for giving us a chance and adding us into your fasting journey. Head back to episode one if you want to learn more about who Tommy and I are and why we do what we do and how powerful fasting was in our lives. Shout out to the longtime listeners. You guys keep tuning in week in and week out. We appreciate you and just thank you for giving us the support and allowing us to continue to deliver episodes each and every week. Yes. All right, Tommy. So the article that we're going to be looking at is coming from the Journal of Obesity, and this came out in 2016, was published online, excuse me, in 2015, and it's elevated ghrelin predicts food intake during experimental sleep restriction. Hmm. So we've talked about ghrelin in the past. We've talked about sleep in the past and how you're going to pretty much just give your hormones of your body full carte blanche on 
wanting to increase intake and process sugar more poorly, which leads to mm. just more hunger and more obesity and more blood sugar imbalances, et cetera. But ghrelin is, is interesting because it is a homeostatic mechanism of appetite control. And what I mean is it's a mechanistic type signal. It starts in the gut and it crosses the blood-brain barrier and stimulates food intake mm. by acting on some of our body weight regulatory centers, including the hypothalamus, the, the hindbrain, and the mesolimbic reward system. So all of mm. that word salad that I just said means <laughs> that if your stomach is empty, then it is going to send a signal to your brain and these body weight regulatory centers to say, hey, feed me. I always think mm. of the Feed Me Seymour skit from... Uh, what is that movie with Rick Moranis that I always forget about? Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> I no, I don't remember. Oh, um, come on. Yeah. It's um, the giant plant that like, yeah. Seymour. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. I'll yeah. I, I, I know what the meme looks like, you know, but I just right. can't think of the name of the, the movie. But, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, okay. So what I heard there also was just the fact that there's a lot of push in our brain and in our body to seek food, to bring in nutrients, to bring in calories. And so even when I'm fasting, or maybe especially when I'm fasting, understanding that that's going to be part of the process and that like the body and the brain love balance. They like things to remain very steady, very even keeled, very, very calm, no big changes, right? And so when we're, we're trying to do something different, we're trying to you know, push our, our body and our mind outside of our comfort zone, then there's, there's these balancing forces that come into play. So the thing to do about it is to start taking proactive steps so I can mitigate or maybe minimize some of the potential discomfort or, or pushing me back, you know, like, like pushback, physiological pushback, if you will, during the process, right? Let's define homeostatic and non-homeostatic appetite signals because what you just mentioned okay. there was your body's going to do one thing, you're going to interpret it one way, and then you're going to act in a behavioral way to then either right. help or hurt the process, right? Yeah. And hunger is real. So there's physical hunger, there's emotional hunger, there's timing hunger, hedonic hunger, which is more of like the things you like and or want, right? Yeah. But salt, sugar, fat, like the, salt, the cravings and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, right. So homeostatic is is going to be psychological and behavior events, physiological events, and metabolic events, as well mm. as neurotransmitter and metabolic interactions in the brain, right? So we talked like physiological things are happening. Your stomach is empty. This chemical ghrelin growls and it raises up and says, boom, feed me. Yeah. Now, the other side is the non-homeostatic factors. And the study doesn't look at this. So it does say that we need to investigate this more. But this is going to be more around the eating behaviors, the food hedonics, the eating behavior traits, how we think about salt, sugar, fat, like you mentioned, and like the sensory appreciation, you see the food truck, you immediately smell the food truck. And the next thing you know, you're standing in line <laughs> at said food truck. So yeah. this study was cool because it looked at elevated ghrelin and the prediction of food intake ad libitum, meaning they were serving these people buffets of food. So as much food as they wanted to intake at certain times of the day, but they were restricting the sleep of the individual, right? So there were 19 healthy lean men that were studied under normal sleep and sleep restriction and a randomized crossover design. So they looked at blood markers and then the ad libitum feeding opportunities. So buffet meals and snacks, and then they measured the caloric intake. So what I'm envisioning here is like when you go to one of those Froyo places, 
Yeah. Right. And it's like you fill your cup and then you go weigh it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Well, they're yep. weighing it after they ate. Right. They're taking the metrics like, hey, yeah. this is how much you just intook. <laughs> that would probably I don't, I don't be need to know. <laughs> don't tell worse me. at the Froyo place. Right. Right. Just yeah. saying. Especially so, after a little bit of sleep deprivation. Right. Yeah, which we're finding here. Right. So I, I want to make sure because you just preframed it perfectly. We're going to talk about proactive things that we can do, but we want to have a basic mm-hmm. understanding of what's happening as well. So. So the sleep deprivation or restriction did not change leptin, which is the opposite of ghrelin. Like leptin is like the, hey, I'm full, don't need to eat anymore. Mm. Or some of those pancreatic polypeptides, these other hunger hormones. So the sleep restriction didn't really seem to affect those much at all. Interesting. But it did show a big increase in the snackability and the sweet, sugary, carbohydrate ability Uh of our food decisions. Uh So it increased ghrelin levels. And the increase in ghrelin levels was directly related to an increased consumption. Oh, man. But there's some cool stuff in there that we're going to share. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, And now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, FASTING4LIFE to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly... Uh, My little guy, my two-year-old, has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He's our third child, and we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we're pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors, and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. 
Oh man. I saw the fact that a decrease in sleep led to increased calories coming in from snacks specifically. And the fact that, man, like you restrict sleep a little bit, cravings are are going to kick up, you know? And I know that those are going to hit me in a way that is not conducive to my fasting. It's making my next fast more uncomfortable, leading to cravings that tend to tick up on the scale. Like everything is is working against me at that point, which which means like, man, we, we've talked about it in the past, but not needing that much sleep or as much sleep as a badge of honor can really be like, it can be one of the foundational reasons why I can't seem to get the weight off or right. why it keeps kind of ticking back up. You know, every every time I, I do make some progress, it's like, man, what what's going on here? I'm not only am I affecting my physiology, my insulin resistance, my blood sugar numbers the next day, but I'm also bringing in all of these neurochemical cues that lead to different food seeking behavior as well. And never mind my fasting timer. Oh yeah. What fasting oh, timer? Whew, man, it's gonna be <laughs> tough, right? So yeah. The sleep, if you want more guidance on sleep, head back to a few episodes ago. I think it was episode one. I'm going to, I never remember the episodes. I'm terrible at this, but it was episode 176. And there's also Mm -hmm. a sleep guide there. But just so we know, the two different groups over four nights was 7.8 hours of sleep and then 4.3 hours of sleep. So Mm -hmm. a pretty drastic difference there. But the big thing here was that REM sleep was reduced by 54%. And there seems to be a correlation here between the two. But interestingly, when we're looking at the ghrelin levels the following day, in the sleep restriction group, they did lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The increase in ghrelin compared to the normal sleep group was drastically greater in the breakfast and the dinner group. And the snacking was drastically Mm. greater in the dinner time frame, right? And you yeah. had already mentioned that those were 39% from the sweet sugary category. Yeah. So Yikes. you have a poor night of sleep and you're fasting. Tommy, what meal should we eat? Lunch. We should focus on lunch. Yes, because day. ghrelin was so much less after the meal at lunchtime than it was compared to breakfast and dinner. Yeah, it seemed to be a lot harder to close that dinner time window. And we hear that a lot All too. The time. Yeah, because... OMAD dinner is is the most popular choice for OMAD across, you know, just broad spectrum across the population. So it can be very tricky. It can be like a, a slippery slope come the, the dinner time, if that's what I'm eating. So get that, get that meal in around lunchtime and then much easier to, to close that window, get through the rest of the day, then make sure I get a, a better night's sleep that night. So I'm kind of like back off to the races. I'm, I'm back in balance by the following day. So here's the scenario. You're on a fasting schedule. Let's say you're doing a 30-hour fast. You eat lunch, Mm -hmm. and then you have a terrible night of sleep. Yeah. And you're supposed to be going until the following day dinner, right? And you're just like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'm just hungry. You wake up hungry. Your ghrelin's growling. Yep. Right? What's going on? I'm hungry at breakfast, but I'm never hungry hungry at breakfast. I'm never hungry at breakfast, right? Especially if there was alcohol or carbohydrates the Mm. night before with the poor sleep, with the decreased REM. Trifecta. Yeah. So you're waking up. Yeah, I'm speaking to myself here years ago, right? Because that was my <laughs> trifecta. Yeah. And you wake up and you're just like, oh man, okay, fine. You know what? Maybe maybe I should change my fasting plan. Mm. Right? I got a busy day, like, and then you eat breakfast. Boom, your ghrelin goes through the roof after you eat breakfast. Or you white knuckle it all day and you get to dinner. Boom. Your ghrelin goes through the roof post dinner yeah. and you end up in that 39% category of not being able to close your window and having more snacks 
that are of the sweet sugary category. Yeah, dinner became an extended window. And right. I'm going into the pantry. I'm I'm kind of grazing. Maybe there's, you know, some bites here. Maybe there's some ice cream involved or something's crunchy or snacky. Yep. Something that's in the high insulin, yep. high blood sugar response. And category. we know that insulin is a great up to a 30% greater effect from the same meal eaten at breakfast versus the same meal eaten at dinner for certain mm -hmm. individuals. You're gonna get more of an insulogenic effect from eating later. So now you've got an open window, you got sweets, right? So either you eat breakfast and then your ghrelin goes through the roof and now your whole day's shot because we hear this from people. Yeah, if I eat breakfast, man, I eat more all day, right? Sure, yeah. Okay, well, there goes your fasting plan, okay? Now you go, you make it, you white knuckle it and it's terrible and you're tired and you get there <laughs> and you're at dinner and then boom, you can't close the window, right? Or yeah. the chocolate cake talks to you. Now, obviously we're, we're being a little cheeky here with these situations because we want long-term food balance and healthy food relationships where we can be confident around food at a healthy weight, not mm. worrying, constantly worrying about regaining or the scale or any of that type of stuff. Right. But on the weight loss journey, how could we make this easier? Well, lunch is a clear winner when it comes to poor sleep and you've had bad sleep and you've got ghrelin issues, which is your number one mechanistic hunger hormone, mm. which is the one that if your stomach is empty, it's going to growl more. Well, you fed it at morning and you fed it at night and it didn't help. Yeah. Change your fasting plan. Don't white knuckle it. Don't break your fast early. Hit the lunch window mm. between that 12 and 1.30 time. Yeah. And you're going to see a much less hunger response, which is going to make it that much easier. So just like the research article showed, Tommy, that ghrelin was much less prevalent after a lunch meal. There was also another thing, Tommy, about the snack right? Like what snacks to reach for that actually showed like zero to no ghrelin response, meaning increase. Yeah. Because when, when those increased calories came in, when we had access to food, it was an additional 328 plus or minus another 140 calories. Whoa. Okay. So you're, you're talking about close to potentially up to 500 additional calories coming in. And that could the be majority a third of a 1500 calorie TDEE or a quarter of a 2000. Wow. And and it's it's not like it's it's normally coming in as as an extra piece of meat or some more, you know, like loaded veggies or or something else, you know, that that's that's nutritious and, and satiating. Fiber filled satiating protein, right? right? Or foods no. uh, Christopher's veggies, like you mentioned. Yeah. No, these aren't coming in from whole food sources that are that are good on, on the insulin and blood sugar scale. These are coming in from the hedonic foods, the very craveable foods, the ones that are more highly engineered, the ones that are going to have a, a large insulin effect. So knowing that that's, that's what we're up against here after just one night of poor sleep means, okay, I can take some proactive measures. Okay. So yep. like one thing I'm doing is I'm going to, to pivot over to lunch for today. Well, then another thing that I can do is let's be proactive. Let's get another serving of protein in early in that lunch meal right there so that I can start sending some satiety signals, right? start to send some balance out to this to this higher ghrelin level that that's coming in the, the night after the poor sleep. And then I'm, I'm making sure that I'm less tempted by some of those really highly craveable foods. And I'm, I'm getting something in that instead of raising blood sugar, raising insulin, it's actually going to have a, a much better balancing effect and prevent future cravings, you know, that are that are kind of coming in potentially later on in the day and, and tonight as well. Yeah. So this is a buffet, right? Just think of it. You're in your, you're standing in your house, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody's on the fasting train, right? So there's some stuff right. in the house that, you know, might tempt you from time to time, right? And sure. we always say delay, don't deny. Yeah. Right. So you got, you got 65% coming from salty sweet, 
sweet, salty, right? Mm-hmm. 39 and 25, respectively. And when they looked at the ghrelin profile and the, the opportunity in the total caloric intake that we saw the, the big increase from that sweet, salty, the fat protein was, was like nothing. Yeah. Because if you're standing at the buffet, you're going to be much more likely to go to the, the fun stuff. So I love that proactive thing that you just mentioned where it's like, I mean, I don't know, my wife and my kids, I'm not a big fan of meat sticks. I'm, I, I like more, more jerkies. Yeah. But we, at any given time, we have 10 different types of meat sticks in the house. Yeah. And it is like, it is the go-to when we're on the go, because then you don't have that ghrelin response and you don't have that increased caloric, that major intake. Plus you get the satiety benefit like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, well, now I know why it's happening because the study proved that the increase in ghrelin levels during sleep restriction is associated with more consumption of calories when free access to food is allowed, right? Like they proved, like, here it is. So ghrelin can activate homeostatic and reward-related pathways, right? So that's that physiological type push or that pushback that you mentioned early on. Yeah, body likes balance. Right, but it didn't mention the non-homeostatic pathways, which is that relationship with food. Ooh, yeah. and that, Or your behavior the, pattern. So that awareness yeah. is key is what I'm getting at. That's where it can get really tricky too because that's where some of those those foods that I, I, I think about, maybe I daydream about sometimes or I feel like if I say no to them, it's just like I can't get it out of my mind. Or maybe right. it's it's like the local restaurant or the local fast food or the local pizza place that I, I, I always pass by. And it's kind of like one of those pattern, one of those those patterns of eating. Those are the types of things that are that fall into that non homeostatic bucket where your body doesn't need that for balance. But at the same time, when you feel increased ghrelin, it primes the pump for these neurochemical signals that go and they start lighting up the areas of the brain that get ready for that dopamine reward cycle for when I do go to that pizza place and go, you know, like, like activate that behavior pattern, which we know what it's going to do to the scale and how I'm going to feel and how much harder it's going to be to set my fasting timer. Right. But just, just knowing that, that that's potentially part of the cycle means I need to short circuit this cycle, like ASAP. Like, so maybe you have, you have a dinner invitation that, you know what, you're just going to make a better decision about saying yes Mm -hmm. to or decisions in the environment, knowing exactly what you're talking about. The awareness that this is something that physiologically happens. Yeah. But now you know your behavioral side of it is you can put some awareness on that as well. Like, Mm. oh yeah, I do always do that. Right. That's powerful. Yeah, man. I love that. The last one, Tommy, we got to mention is hydration, right? Hydration and ghrelin is, is tricky because when hydration is off, that means hunger can feel way out of balance. And so if we are dehydrated, that leads to increased ghrelin, which means that that's where it comes from. Like if you've ever heard up to 70 or 80% of feelings of hunger is actually just dehydration or it's, it's related to dehydration. That's because mm-hmm. of the effect on ghrelin, a, a direct effect. So when we're dehydrated, we feel more hungry. And when we're properly hydrated, we feel less hungry. Well, guess what? When things are out of balance. When I had a poor night's sleep or the more weight I have to lose, the more that this can be a problem right. here. And, and I need to, to take proactive steps to make sure that my hydration is, is properly accounted for. I'm being proactive for it. So I'm not just battling and white knuckling against the hunger all day long or, or all throughout my fasting journey. So the best thing you can do is you've got a ghrelin. You think you might have a ghrelin problem. A ghrelin right. gremlin? 
Yeah. Yeah. Ghrelin gremlin, right? Or your sleep is inconsistent. Yeah. On the mornings that you wake up, right? And you now you've decided, all right, I'm going to do lunch instead. I'm going to try a couple of these things because this is what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. We want you to go and put this stuff in and then be able to get feedback on how you did or how it felt or what your body did or the response you get, which is exactly what we do alongside of you during the seven day challenge that we have coming up on June 7th. Yep, absolutely. Right? So it's like, okay, go try a few of these things. But what you can do is wake up, tablespoon of salt, maybe an LMNT to mute the salt taste, right? But you get the hydration in early in the day, which is going to keep the ghrelin down until you can get to that lunch and make some good, solid fat and protein first decisions about that meal to build that satiation in. Now we're talking about sustainability. We're talking about figuring out a lifestyle with fasting that's going to work for you. White knuckling it, will powering it, won't powering it through it is not something that's going to get you sustainable results. That's why we hear these things like, oh, I'm at dinner. Yeah, it was working, but then I just kind of stopped doing it, right? Yeah. Or I hit a plateau or no, I can't eat breakfast because then I'm just off the rails the rest of the day. Right. Everything, including fat storage and fat burning and hunger is controlled by hormones. But we have that behavioral component too. So knowing that ghrelin is a real mechanistic thing that happens. But now, you know, you may not just have a ghrelin issue, you may have some inconsistent sleep patterns too. It just is going to allow you to kind of paint the picture of how you can get control over this and build that fasting lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like, I, I don't want anybody to get overwhelmed, but right. understanding that there there are definitely multiple layers and multiple levers and and things that we're going to be working on optimizing over time to kind of get more and more of this right and as we as we do that it you know it, it becomes easier over time for sure but when we can understand how some of these really important factors are related it's a it's a chain of events it's not just oh these aren't just all like completely separate things that right. one leads into the other. And if I can get a handle on one, it's probably going to help me, you know, get a handle on the, on the next part of the chain. So I think that's, that's why it, it's kind of important to, to see some of these things from the big picture as we kind of zoom out and, and, and talk about some of these important factors. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing with the question we get, well, what's the ideal fasting schedule? Well, it's, I mean, what one works for you? Yeah. It's not always just, yeah, I'm going to David Goggins my way through and just push <laughs> through and torture myself to the finish line. No, there's there's got to yeah. be a balance of sustainability, right? So maintenance should look enjoyable. The process should be fun. Are there some fasting windows that work better for increasing the BDNF to the brain and getting you rid of that brain fog and increasing mm. your energy and decreasing blood sugar issues? Yeah, of course. You know, that's why we use fasting windows all the way from 18 up to 48 hours, typically, sometimes longer than that, but not not often. Yeah. And that's some of the stuff that we go over during the challenge. So if you're looking to accelerate your results, hop in, go to the show notes, click the link to register. We'd love to see you with us. It's not too late. I know we're starting tomorrow, but about 30% of the people that go through these challenges with us sign up on the Monday and Tuesday before we start on Wednesday. So Absolutely. you're not late. You're exactly in the right place. At the you're right, right on time. time. Yeah. Right on time. Go ahead and pick one or two things from today's episode. So you're going to focus on earlier hydration. You're going to prioritize your sleep. Go back and listen to episode 176 if you want some more guidance on sleep. And we have a sleep Mm -hmm. guide in there as well. Choose your lunch window. Yeah, have a lunch every once in a while. Instead of breakfast and dinner, if you've had a poor night of sleep or if you're struggling with hunger and making it to that OMAD. Or if you're having trouble closing the window and you are the salty, sweet snacker, in the evening, 
try a lunch window, right? And just know that you can move a few of these levers and see some really, really great progress. So Tommy, as we wrap up today's episode, I appreciate the conversation. Head to the show notes, click the link to register for the tomorrow's seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge. Head back to episode 176, grab our sleep guide, and just let us know how we can help you on your fasting journey. Look forward to seeing you inside of the challenge. Tommy, appreciate the conversation as always, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.